0: Listening to CJSW Originals. For more spoken word content, go to CJSW.com.
1: Hi, my name is Jenny Kwong. Welcome to Artslink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary on Treaty 7 Lands and Metis Region 3. Today I have a guest. It's Cheryl Fogo, a filmmaker, writer, and historian in Calgary. She has a film in the Calgary International Film Festival. The dates are September 24th to October 4th. The film is called John Ware Reclaim. It is about a black cowboy who lived and ranched in southern Alberta in the late 1800s. It is a documentary made through the National Film Board and is playing at the Calgary International Film Festival along with films from around the world including a spotlight on Alberta film. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Jenny for CJSW Radio, and so today uh, we have a guest on the phone, Cheryl Fogel. Welcome.
2: Thank you very much. I guess, uh,
1: first of all, I, um, you have a film uh, that will be uh, a world premiere as part of the Calgary International Film Festival this year. That's um, right. Yeah.
2: John Ware Reclaimed.
1: Okay. And so I know uh, you've done presentations and theatrical productions on John Ware. So where did the story, How? when did this story pull you in and you wanted to, to continue telling it?
2: Um, that is a great question. I first heard of John Ware as a pretty young person, you know, having grown up in Calgary my whole life. Um, the first time that... It connected for me that he was a black cowboy was i think when i was about 11 or 12 because my brother went to the glenbow and saw the the john ware display there and he and i were both very interested in cowboys and that's what we played every saturday and both loved horses so that was a very exciting discovery and then as i got older I began to think about two things, one about becoming a writer and two about um, telling the story of black history. And I started uh, gathering more information about John Ware at that time, so somewhere in my, my early 20s. And then in 2012, I wanted to do something with that data or that information that I was gathering for the recognition of the Calgary Stampede 100th celebrations. So I did so at the urging of Tundi Dewadu, who was the artistic director of Africa Day at that time. So that's kind of how it unfolded. I was pulled into the story because it had such a powerful personal connection for me.
1: And can you talk about that personal connection?
2: Well, yeah, just... Having grown up here, especially in the 50s and 60s, there wasn't too much else going on apart from the stampede. And almost every child that I knew was interested in cowboys and horses kind of bought into that mythology that many Calgarians um, learn about and embrace. But I didn't really feel... That I saw myself reflected in that, in that cowboy culture. I did not see black cowboys in the shows I was watching on TV with my brother and, um, in the books that we were reading. There was, you know, there was never any recognition that there were black cowboys. So I eventually kind of packed up that part of my identity and put it away, feeling a little unwelcome within it, quite frankly. So the discovery that there was a, a wonderful, talented, famous, and highly regarded black cowboy who was also from southern Alberta, as we were, and um, shared our African heritage, our African identity, was, was very personal. It, it was um, a very powerful way of connecting different aspects of my identity.
1: All right. I guess uh, talk about making the film. Um, it started around 2017 that you started working on it, or
2: yeah. I mean, from the very beginning, you know, from pitch to to finish prod product, it's actually been about five years. I think it was 2015 that I first approached the National Film Board and um, got some support to to develop the idea and then eventually went into production in 2017. So, yeah, it's been a long process and a lot has changed since, you know, since the, the beginning of working on it. Five years is a long time. Uh, but I, I have been... I have thoroughly enjoyed the process of making the film because it has allowed me to really dig so deeply into the different archives and resources that were available. it's allowed me to dig up resources that were not previously available and it's allowed me to spend so much time in the places that John Ware inhabited when he was here all those years ago, the places where he lived, the places wh- where he conducted his business, in and around Calgary. Um, A lot of people may not know that the house that John Ware got married in to Mildred Lewis uh, is still, that house is still um, in existence. It's at Heritage Park. It was known as the McKay, I think it was the McKay cabin. Uh, So, yeah, so you can go and you can go see that house at Heritage Park. So there are a lot of places associated with his life, and it's been wonderful to live in that world.
1: And the film is only around seventy minutes long, so uh, I guess you had to uh, leave out a lot of information.
2: That's so true. <laughs> so true. Uh, it's always the way with any project. You have to figure out what you can keep. But yes, there's um, there's a lot that uh, you just make a decision. You know, I can't focus on that piece because I don't have time within within the framework of a film. So um,
1: who were you able to cast for the part of John Ware? Uh, I see the name Fred uh, Whitfield.
2: Fred Whitfield, yes. Yeah. Fred is a black Texas cowboy who is very familiar to Stampede rodeo fans because he's, uh, he's an eight-time world champion roper. And I was lucky enough to connect with him one of the uh, one year when he was up here for the stampede. So yes, even though this is a documentary, it's not a recreation of John Ware's life. There there are not dramatic scenes between him and other people. Fred is there as a presence of John Ware in the film, in and around the places where John Ware lived, and that is really wonderful. He did a terrific job.
1: And so, can you tell me about the places uh, um, John Ware actually lived and ranched during his time in? Uh...
2: Excuse me. Yes, John Ware's first ranch that he actually developed is um, west of Millerville. It's kind of along that, that beautiful drive that is the Cowboy Trail, the, the Highway 22. And um, he had some land there upon which he built his first home, lovely little cabin that he built there, and that was where he was living when he got married to Mildred, and it is where the first four, I guess the first five of their children were born, only his, uh, his sixth child that actually didn't survive, um past the age of two, was born at his other place. So in 1902, he moved from the, that Millerville area uh, to a place along the Red Deer River that is north of Brooks, and there are a bunch of little communities in there, Duchess, Rosemary, Patricia, Gem. Those are all places that are close to where John Ware's ranch was. So he had two The one near Millerville, Millerville, excuse me, and the other one uh, north of Brooks, there, where he sadly only lived for three years because he died in
1: 1905. And I guess um, uh, this year the format of the festival will be uh, different from uh, previous years. It'll be online only?
2: They will have some in person screenings and some online, with uh, just 30% capacity in a couple of the theaters.
1: Okay. And so um, what are your thoughts about uh, the, this year's festival, I guess?
2: Well, I'm very excited. I It was 100% my first choice to have the world premiere in Calgary. I wanted to share it with Calgarians before anyone else, anywhere else in the world. So I was thrilled when I heard that the festival had accepted it. And I'm just really excited to finally get a chance to share it with local people and then after that hopefully people in the rest of the country and and perhaps in other parts of the world as well the um festival lineup that i've seen so far the alberta spotlight films all look amazing and i know a lot of the other filmmakers So I'm really excited to see all the Alberta Spotlight films.
1: All right. uh, Thank you very much, Cheryl. Anything else you want to add?
2: Um, No, I don't think so. I think I'll just let the film speak for itself, and I really appreciate your interest in getting a chance to share a bit about it with your audience. I hope everybody gets their tickets when when the tickets go available.
1: Okay. Thank you again. Thank you. That was my interview with filmmaker Cheryl Fogel. Talking about her documentary, John Where Reclaimed. It will be showing as part of the Alberta Spotlight Film Series as part of the Calgary International Film Festival from September 24th to October 4th. Bright Hill Road is a horror film with Robert Cuffley as director. Dark Cloud is also a documentary and is about cyberbullying and the possible devastating effects it can have. It follows the story of Carol Todd, mother of Amanda Todd, whose suicide gained attention around the world. Visit ciffcalgary.ca for more information and tickets. Next, I will play a song by Corb Lund, who has contributed music to the documentary John Where We Claimed. Here is a song called Cows Around. From Corbland's 2012 CD, Cabin Fever.
3: bestow this western blessing and share what i have found may you always have cows around what else are you gonna spend that extra money on what else is gonna get you up hours before dawn what else is gonna keep you toiling on Come on, you know that you got too much time on your hands. Not nearly enough complication in your plans. You need to invite all of the frustration that you can. May you always have cows around. Everything is better with cows around. Living in town sometimes brings me down. Let me bestow this western blessing, leave you. Settle down, but you always have cows round. What else could make the bishop swear like a sailor might? What else can cause such tension between a man and his wife? What else could ever bring all these enhancements to your life? May you always have cows around. What else is going to get out when you don't close the What else will make you prematurely show your age? What else will take a run at you in a fit of bovine rage? May you always have cows around. But everything is better with some cows around. Living in town sometimes brings me down. And although this western blessing leaves you cattle bound, may... Hufford, Hyde and Simmental, Welsh black and main and Jew, Keanine, a limousine, short horn, Charlie Wyattosy too, Texas longhorn, Corey, Innie, and E and Yola Galloway An Angus from my Jersey Guernsey Holstein, hey dig for oil and gas you might have had to turn the place to an exotic game ranch you might have had to do all kinds of things to raise the cash so you'd always have cows around Or how else you're gonna lose it all like daddy did what else will make sure you leave nothing for your kids it's too late now you know it is you might as well admit you've a badly flawed and sentimental masochisticness and that despite all the statistics and the advice that you get you will always have cows around, yeah everything is better with cows around living in town sometimes brings me down where well, you won't know what you're missing until you hear that sound, may you
1: That song was Cows Around from Corbland on the 2012 CD Cabin Fever. Next is co host Nathan Taylor.
0: This is Nathan Taylor for ArtsLink. After doing a previous episode of ArtsLink featuring the work of director slash author Alex Cox, I was pleasantly surprised to see that not only does he occasionally write for The Guardian, but he also covered free stuff from the Internet Archive during the initial pandemic lockdown. I certainly encourage listeners to read a recent column describing the problematic COVID guidelines for Hollywood movie production and his unique solution, Make More Westerns. I'll include a link to this on CGSW.com once the episode is put up. So, it's a speedy September roundup from me this month, and here are my free entertainment suggestions for internet-using listeners of CGSW 909 fm in Calgary and beyond. I want to showcase my favorite music discovery so far this year and take a topic from one of Mr. Cox's Guardian articles, One Degree of Separation Further, in this case, the work of Richard Boone. A descendant of the Daniel Boone, Richard is best known for playing Paladin on the half-hour TV western Have Gun, Will Travel. Alex Cox covers this show briefly but aptly in his Guardian column. What interests me about the man is his anthology series, The Richard Boone Show. Each episode had the same group of players playing different roles, and the episode I saw, Wall-to-Wall War, is what I want to encourage you to watch today. Hit the lights and turn off the rain. We are shown an office worker who's the last one to leave at night, and he's obviously planning something. He tests the power breaker a couple of times, and disconcertingly gets up on a desk to check his lines of sight. If a viewer didn't get the nature of his plans so far, we're shown a hidden submachine gun. What follows is an hour of TV that to me was both familiar yet unexpected. Cal Brown takes his co-workers hostage into his flashback to the Korean War, yet the show has so many interesting bits and details both shown and omitted that I can overlook the, uh, quote, violent crazy war veteran trope uh, that the story is built around. I see it as a very radical story for its time. I liked how the show seemed to focus on character and how plot exposition by Cal, now Captain Brown, is handled. Oh, boy, he goes with that 902
4: again. All right, let's take hell 902. Gung-ho, I want to go home. Why'd you have to pick tonight of all nights? Ten million men were drafted in World War II, Romero. So what? All of them on the wrong night. Shut up, Mr. Romero. Shut up? Whose side are you on? All right, move up. Now, this whole sector is known as Little Valley. And this is Hill 81. And this is the town of Hang Yang. And that is Hill 902. Our orders are to capture it at any cost. We'll be advancing in this direction. The road ahead is tough. There'll be snipers, landmines, booby traps, enemy patrols. I'll give you all the benefit of my experience as we advance, but advance we will. If you all follow orders explicitly, our casualties should be light. Now just remember, in war, everything is against you. The enemy, the terrain, the weather, mud, cold, rain. Your superiors, your your subordinates your equipment, and not in the least yourself, your own body and your own spirit. In eight minutes, we advance.
0: The extent to which this particular piece of 1964 television takes itself seriously is something I find quite admirable. Uh, We also get nothing as to Captain Brown's particular motivation or endgame, which suits me, and the focus on the logistics of an office turned into a no-man's land of wind, rain, and barbed wire makes for some brilliant camera shots and plot complications, such as the order to treat a copying machine as an artillery piece, so it must be dragged around with the quote-unquote platoon as they go. I also applaud the ending, which is played off brilliantly in both the action and in how it shows the trauma of each character through a few uttered words each. There is something I wrote off as an actor's choice during the pre-war office scene that comes back suddenly, and I hope you find it as neat as I did. There are a couple of unusual funny parts, such as the uh, weird denigrating routine the star office worker has the office boy perform, and this pickup line.
4: I don't know about it. You going to do a little serious
0: drinking with me tonight? One more thing to mention is the weird, earnest formality that Richard Boone brings to his show. I'm going to play a clip of what happens at the end of Wall to Wall War. When we meet as an audience, uh, uh, the players met through a door marked green room.
4: Welcome to the green room. Please come in. This is the company of players, that's Warren Stevens, who you just saw playing Brown in Wall to Wall War. And this is June Harding, this is Jeanette Nolan, Guy Stockwell, Lloyd Bachner, Ford Rainey, Harry Morgan, and back here is Bethel Leslie, Laura Devon, and Robert Blake. Now let me tell you about next week's show. Next week, Sorafino's Treasure, written by Joe Madison. It's a very simple story about a Mexican fishing village. One of the inhabitants finds a great pearl, and the result is chaos. I play a beachcomber, and I must tell you that I enjoyed that. About this week's show, my heartfelt congratulations to Warren Stevens, and particularly to the ensemble that played in the office with him. I think they were all
0: great. McClintock's (laughs) Mashups. My favorite musical find this year, Bill McClintock is known for doing a couple of really cool things. One, mashing Motown R&B and soul singers with hard rock and metal backing like Rat, Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath. And two, mashing metal singers with various pop artists like the B52s, Chicago, Donna Summer and The Who.
3: Sky is
0: I love how the lyric Lacerated Sky from Slayer's Raining Blood can sound so much like lobster in the sky when paired with B-52's Rock Lobster. But seriously, folks, a funny mashup is one thing, but taking two songs to improve upon both is something freaking else. And so, for those of you who don't mind an original concept being shredded up and reconstituted, here's what happens when Deep Purple's Burn meets the temptation's I Wish It Would Rain. It's a genre McClintock mashup fans call soul metal, and I hope you can turn it up loud. On CGSW 90.9 FM in Calgary, here is She Said Burn.
3: My life was filled with rules, so day after day I stayed locked up in my room. She said. I got to cry Oh yeah I got to cry